Well, I figured we were halfway through this series of Strictly and it's about time for some sort of expert assessment of where we're going. The sort of the state of the Strictly. And so to help me with the halftime report, I have Ariadne of Ariadne Reviews. Hello. And Ewan Spence. I think it's a traditional good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Good evening. So how have we been enjoying Strictly 2021? Uh, very much so. I think I've been enjoying it a lot. Um, it's nice to be back to a full cast and sort of a show that doesn't feel quite so restricted as the last series it's uh not got that manic edge that it had last year the we're putting the show on right here type vibe yeah very much so yeah it's very comforting and reassuring to have strictly back uh, am i enjoying it more this year yes because it is a return to normality but at the same time, it's going, you know, things change. It's Nothing's like how it used to be. We move forward, we change things, and things are going to be good. They're okay now, they're going to get better. I just love that it's signposting both normality and change. Yeah, because it's very much not this... Well, it is it is the same show as before 2020 and the sort of the forced changes to the format that we had but they have kept some of the stuff on board that I think has made it a better show and it sort of seems to have come at a point where it was natural to make a few changes anyway. I think like with any show it needs to keep reinventing itself. Um, it's like 19 years now there have been a couple of major points where Strictly has reinvented itself but there's also small changes along the way some of those are front of house, some of those are back of house. So it's almost like there was last year, Series 18 kind of forced everybody to just to look at the big bit of paper and go, right, what do we keep? What do we not keep? Everything has to justify why it's there. So I think that's been really helpful. It's the sort of thing you'd only normally get in a big production change or if you were to get a new host coming in trying to get a new flavour for the show. Mm. In that sense, I think the series 18 has been the equivalent of a Blackpool reset. Hmm, the whole show getting a Blackpool reset. Yeah. The, like, the show has actually changed whole producers before without an, without um, a significant format change. There's three format things that we've changed because of last year and kept on board that I think have uh, really worked and sort of improved the overall vibe and one of them really surprised me um uh and Ariadne, i wonder if you're feeling the same as me about the third thing so the first two things are just like dressing basically the way that the interviews uh on the results show are done in 
Claudia's area with everybody coming up the stairs and getting their little uh, their little segment in turn. I think that's much better than the zoo format that they had before. It's neater. It allows you to actually, you know, say something without shouting over people, trying to pull focus in the background. And it's introduced the sort of the jolly spectacle of uh, people's friends zooming in or the uh, cameo video messages and the other thing is having all of the other contestants at the little cocktail tables at the side because you have a much sparser audience uh, it allows you to do that and that just gives you a great sort of vibe of solidarity between all of the contestants and the third thing which I didn't think I would enjoy and I have I'm, yeah, I'm going to say I'm shading towards enjoying it is Judge Anton. Yeah, I agree. I much prefer him in a judging role. And I think he's taken to it incredibly well. He, he almost could have done it a couple of years ago and um, like it maybe was overdue. I think one of the interesting things about Anton as a judge is... Last year, he was clearly knowing he was the guest judge. He didn't ruffle any feathers. He knew he was going to be going back into, potentially going back into competition. But now he's been freed to be the full-time judge. He has this lovely ability of separating how wonderful he thinks the dancers are and isn't it great you're enjoying dance from the critique. He never feels nasty. He feels incredibly supportive, but will pick you up on these those little things and make you happy with the, the fact that he picked them up and also he he, he kind of also says to the the professional dancers i know how hard it was to get them to do that tiny step so congrats to you as well it's just a proper all-round judging experience it's almost a coach not a judge which is weird considering the sort of the what came across when he was a competitor was that he was a bit nasty and also was maybe sort of not a good coach. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting how that that repositioning of his role has allowed us to reconsider um, how he comes across. Uh, but so the format still feels very alive in season 19 because of these changes. How? I think it's kind of brought back the focus of the show. I think there's a lot more focus on the dance. I think the couple of series ago, it was kind of getting lost in its gimmickry. And I think especially the 2000, uh, the 2020 series kind of forced them to reduce everything slightly. So like, they couldn't lean into the comedy VTs too much. I do not miss those. No, not at all. And I quite like the fact that now Tilly Ramsey can be doing a Paso Doble and they'll show us her Paso Doble training and they won't have her make a paella. They will save that for one of the additional social media channels that they're trying to very much make happen. <laughs> oh, oh, strictly his relationship with, on with online content is... <laughs> it's an adorable effort. I... I was glad. Are they still clipping GIFs from routines this year? Um, not as much as I am. No, they're not. <laughs> um, because I I know that there were a couple of series where we were doing it, and then I noticed that the main feed had started doing it, and I gave up. Um, but you have uh, 
kept plugging away with the with the gifts there and you know choosing some slightly more entertaining ones than an, an official media channel could possibly do i'm proud to be adam Peaty's ass publicist <laughs> oh we'll miss him we'll miss him I think one of the things is with social media, a lot of the, the stuff that we would normally have expected in the comedy VTs has kind of morphed itself onto the social media side, which has left Saturday Night feeling a little bit more, I don't want to use prim and proper, but it, it feels a lot more like a traditional variety show, like proper light entertainment. Um, I've got written down, it's like London, you know, Sunday night at the London Palladium, uh, that sort of familiarity of flow, you know, you get a singer, then you get comedy then you get a variety act then you back to a singer and so on that you would have in the 50s and 60s so it's back to that comforting thing but um i think one of the big things that strictly has done is it has continued is that continued evolution uh the the keep dancing board twitter account uh looked back at an older show recently and it leaded me to go back to look at what it was like when sir bruce forsyth was hosting and it's a completely different tone. It's a much was much lighter, much more humorous, much slightly more bawdy uh, when you look at round about the series thirteen, series fourteen mark. Uh, now it's come back to swing more towards the dancing side of things than the entertainment thing over the last couple of years. And twenty twenty saw a really big swing comparatively because it was tough to decide on the mood, even week to week. Uh, when you were doing it in the middle of Waves in the Sky, all this. Mm-hmm. There's a better handle on the mood this year, I think, from the production team. But at the same time, they've kept the focus a little bit more onto the dance and competitive side. To the point that I think we all noticed that we had a dance-themed dance week uh, right before we had movie week. And it was just like, well, this feels very more come dancing than Strictly. Mm. To the extent now that um, the celebs who've been saddled with lots of heavily themed dancers seem to, like, it seems to be hampering them rather than playing into a sort of a grand panto feel of the overall show. I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry, I have to. Oh, no, it isn't. (laughs) Oh, it's that time of year again. It's getting there, yes. The only person who I think is not feeling uh, as fresh as the format is Craig. Like, yeah. there's been a couple of episodes where I've just been like, is he okay? Does he need a holiday? Yeah, his interactions with Motsi have been a bit weird. I I just, I don't know. They, they sort of, I don't know if it's the perspex between them or something. It's just something about him just feels off and sort of not connected with everything else yeah well he's the the last remaining element from the first series right i think we had tess in the claudia role because they were both sort of on the stage at the start and then of course bruce would always be you're my favorite move him over to the side so i think we had tess in the tessitorium the the tess area (laughs) i believe it was um yeah, so Tess was there, but Tess wasn't in Tess's current role. Tess was in the Claude role yeah. as like the old style girl in a shiny dress on mm. the shiny floor show. But now she's not in her original role. So Craig is the yeah. only person who's left yeah. in their original role. And, you know, is that 19 years? He's 
been in that role. And it's tough to say the same things every, you know, every week, week on week. It's tough when you're the pantomime villain, but you can still give technical advice. Uh, and the restrictions last year and this year on anybody who's appearing front of the camera or even working back of house must be even more strained. And I do wonder if now that Anton has come along and is able to do the technical stuff, that Craig just feels that he's lost one of the things that he was on the panel for, which was to do the picky technical bits. Mm. You've got Anton doing that now, better than that. He's always going to be before you, except under one, except under the time where they come to you first on the panel. And, you know, maybe he's just looking at going, I'm putting in a lot more effort and I'm not getting the rewards back again. My career isn't gaining by being here. If all he's got left is the negativity as well, then that's going to make you feel negative. Yeah, he's kind of playing to that reality TV format that sort of kind of killed the X Factor. Yeah. And And he's very much from that period of TV. Yeah, because you do tend to have more, like boosting and coaching from Mm. your reality tv judges now and you go girl um and having the mean judge does feel very very sort of pre-financial crisis (laughs) yeah there was a time when that fitted into the tv landscape in the same way that there was a time when come dancing purely competitive fitted into the tv landscape now, of course, you've got to have the entertainment side of things as well. And I don't think, I don't know whether Craig was able to reinvent himself or whether he wasn't allowed to reinvent himself. And I think the latter may explain where he is now. And they sort of mm. still need you to be this role. Because, yes, it's a contest, but this is still an entertainment production and everybody has roles to play in the storyline. And Craig's part in the story has stayed the same. It's just like, that's what we needed you to do in episode one. We need you to do exactly the same in episode nine. We're just going to change you halfway through to be played by Ian McDermott. And the moods of TV really change. Like, if you go back now and look at uh, just perfectly normal episodes of The Weakest Link, it is absolutely horrific. (laughs) The overall tenor and tone of the uh, interactions with the host and the contestants there and um, yeah you can't have that kind of early noughties reality judge vibe and hashtag be kind in the same show and so yeah that's probably Craig feeling the tension between those two things Shall we zoom in a bit on this year? Um, who do we reckon the show started out being invested in this year? I think I thought the show would be a lot more invested in Adam Peaty than it ended up being, to be honest. And then it kind of very much shifted to focus much more on Rose as she sort of really, really started to shine. I wonder if they were being sort of ambivalent on Rose until they worked out whether it would work her training with Gio. I think I think that's very much the case. And having Adam Peaty there as your main storyline, if she doesn't work out, 
yeah, he was kind of sort of the big casting announcement too. Yeah. I felt I felt like he got the most publicity because it was like fresh off the Olympics and everything. Yeah, and I think every year we slightly fall for it. Like, oh, mm. this guy's in peak physical condition. He'll and like he his livelihood relies on him being able to do finely controlled movements. He'll be great at dancing. <laughs> no. <laughs> every year. <laughs> I think in the same sort of thinking as well john and johannes i think it was also a case of invested in terms of that's how we're going to kick it off that's the story the representation is wonderful but there's also a sense of just how well a partnership are they going to be is johannes still going to cry at the drop of a hat because they've done a perfect dance and the answer is yes <laughs> but i wonder if there was also a sort of sense in the same way that you had with rose let's see how this goes even though it's great public service broadcasting I think the same is true with John and Johannes. I think the big question about investment I have uh, is whether, why are they invested in Tom? Because he's just he's there. Just... But he's like, we're going to make sure he's just there. It's it's like, I don't know. He's well, just... <laughs> the sort of the meme answer is that he has a wife with a very threatening aura. Giovanna Fletcher is currently doing everything in her power. Like, she's currently on the um, publicity trail for her own book, and she's very much plugging Tom during every segment, too. Which, I'm glad she's proud of him. But... Exactly, true. <laughs> but, but, good grief. Also, he's partnered with Amy, who, like, the show is basically chucking very nice men at so that she can eventually win. Yeah, the uh, I don't know what what the deal is there. I feel like they're saying an extended sorry to her for the whole Danny John Jules thing. Oh God, yeah, I forgot about that. Oof. Which that wasn't her fault. No, not at all. Um, but she might have had some like interpersonal issues with him that would have made. Her working conditions diff difficult for that mm. series. Yeah, and, and these are your rolling cast. You have them every year. So in the same way that we balance off the storylines each year, as, as we see it from the outside, the production team are balancing off multi-year arcs for our dancers. I mean, we can go back and look at Kevin and Joanne uh, and their respective journeys through multiple years to get that. The other one I think they're invested in, in a rather sneakily short way, uh, to put the cynic hat on is is greg greg had two roles to play i think for the production team one was so that they could put emma thompson on screen and maybe go you know what maybe for a christmas special maybe you do one off and also we need somebody to play james bond when the film is released the film is released thanks very much greg we don't need you anymore here's an interesting dancing outfit choice for you i think he was specifically there to do the couple's choice I think maybe that was his rider. It's like, I will come in, I will do these things for you, but I'm doing this as well. It, it, Greg turning up this year was one of the more inexplicable Strictly castings. I, th I think the biggest question with Greg's casting is, is Karen the new Anton? <gasps> that means we get Karen as a judge when Craig leaves. Yes, please. I, I mean, yes. Oh, 
Karen in a tuxedo every Saturday night. Let's do that. Well, uh, like we've said on the main pod that Karen has got so much going on outside Strictly now that seems to make her a lot more happy that Strictly is just the day job now. And we've seen the introduction of our, our new dance troops coming up um, in Nikita and Nancy. So they're now graduated so they can bring in two new professional dancers next year if needed. Or at least, and I think there's one or two lurking in, in the backing troop, as it were. So they're, they're sort of, they're starting new storylines for professionals as well. So you have to think that there's some that have sort of given them an odd going, I'll, I'll, I'll see you through this period because it's an awkward year. But after that, that's me. By the way, have you asked Kai from RTE Ireland? Because he might be quite good at this. Well, let's talk about Kai. But the other two that I think, uh, like their storylines, their multi-year storylines have run their course are probably Neil and Gorka. Yeah, Neil's a, a, a funny one. I just, the show doesn't seem quite know what to do with him. And the fact that he doesn't dance with Katya anymore has... Um, sort of taken away one of the big reasons for him to be on the show which is to provide the sort of astonishing show dance how how are they doing that trick uh, dance mm. content content with Katya which is sad yeah, maybe Neil's the new Anton <laughs> <laughs> But then Anton always and still likes his ballroom. Neil, in terms of dance styles, I think is moving away from the ballroom in the Latin and more towards street, which is my understanding from everybody else talking about his professional life on the main pod. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He also seems to be interested in doing his modeling and his sponsored Instagrams. And I don't know, it's difficult to, it's sort of difficult to work out what's going on. Like we were really invested in him, the series he was dancing with Alex Scott. And I think that turned out to be uh, just because of Alex Scott's incredible charisma. And of course, from a professional point of view, Alex established herself firmly as one of the BBC One main players. Which is like that is that is what you can win on Strictly. Let's be real. You yeah, don't need to get win. to the final to win. The real thing to win is a presenting slot on the one show. <laughs> and... Chris Ramsey, the ultimate winner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for AJ Adudu supremacy. Oh my god. Um, yeah, shall we have a little bit of a a, a Kai and AJ uh, stan session? Yes, please. Um, because. I, uh, you know, when the casting comes out every year, the Keep Dancing Pod Squad uh, get overly invested in somebody who's really good at wearing frocks and then t tends to just sort of fizzle out mid-series. But I think this year we might, we, we, we might have a finalist. Oh, I Woo! hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just hope that Giovanna Fletcher doesn't scupper this for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like Tom is the one that could throw a spanner in the works for either um, John or AJ getting to the final. Because are we doing a three a three couple final now? Because just looking at the amount of weeks to go, it's a three couple final. Yeah. So it's 
from my, my perspective, it's Rose is a surefire finalist, if not just a surefire winner at this point. Yeah, and if... So, I think that in terms of the public vote, Rose is doing very well every week, especially in her ballroom weeks. Mm. And uh, Tom, just because of his nice boyness and also because of wife with threatening aura uh, he's also doing very well regardless of how he actually dances Mm. and if anything keeps him out of a dance-off and gives us something like i in the semi-final john and johannes versus aj and kai in the dance-off which just even saying that is making me feel queasy Uh, I also feel like his Paso Doble the last weekend was kind of almost a little bit revelatory for him. So it'd be interesting to see how he develops after this. Yeah, I I wasn't as impressed with it as everybody else was because I think it had the same very sort of mannered quality that uh, a lot of Amy's dancers that I find forgettable have. Mm-hmm. And maybe what I don't want from a Paso Doble is for it to feel nice and mannered. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, have we ever seen anything other than nice and mannered that worked from Amy? Because, I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking at this, we're coming up to Armistice weekend, so I'm expecting that we'll have a Forces Sweetheart Amy and Tom in some form of being wholesome. But, you know, when they attempted to take on... Uh, a little bit of rock and roll. It kind of just felt like 13-year-olds dressing up for a high school performance. And... Well, I mean, a- Amy does tend to put an air guitar into every Latin routine these days. So. But, yeah. And, it, it, he honest... plays guitar, don't you understand? <laughs> <laughs> I'm honestly shocked they haven't danced to a McFly song yet. I... Like, just do it, Dowden. I think there must be some kind of unshakable production rule that you can't dance to anything where you yourself would have to okay the licensing. Yeah, probably. It's probably self-promotion, isn't it? Yeah. So could they get away with playing a busted track for him then? Yeah, but that's weird. <laughs> you know, we had Mick busted in the, 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 the late first decade of the 21st century, didn't we? Where they toured together and did each other's songs? Yeah, but that's kind of like, that's going adjacent. That's like making one of the Saturdays dance to the Sugar Babes or something. That leaves lots of choices open, given the number of Saturdays and Sugar Babes, I mean, isn't it? That is something I would like to know. Like, if you actually can't dance to something where you would be one of the people okaying the licensing. Because I think that might that might explain a few weird choices, especially for musicians. They wouldn't have to clear it, though, because the music would be under the BBC's You Can Use It For Performance sort of blanket licence that doesn't require any editorial input because you're just using it as a performance. I don't think they actually need to ask permission to do a song on Strictly legally. But if you were the songwriter, you would benefit. Yes, you would. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, and you know, we know how careful the BBC are over things like that. Okay, maybe. Yeah, I think it might be a general rule. If only Elstree was listening and could quietly tell us. Um, 
I, I've derailed myself there with a production query. So uh, we were just talking about the final. So who is actually going to make the final and who should make the final? Let's start with you, Ewan. Like, I think everybody has sort of looking at Rose, AJ and John for being the final three. Um, I, I really don't want to think about AJ and John going at the dance-off and Tom sneaking through. That does leave me that and i'm kind of worried at the semi-final stage because at that point you can just about do negative voting if you have a strongly held belief if you remember the public and really i don't trust the british public as a whole to vote cleanly over aj or john because that demo there are demographics that might have unjustifiable views um, well this this is why uh so when we say in the main pod that we've looked at the voting groups and if the final shakes out the way it does rose has it won it, it is because the british the the strictly vote the sort of the british public vote can't really find it in itself to vote for an outspoken woman an outspoken black woman or a woman with a northern accent generally and doesn't tend to like an out gay man and this is why we're saying that Rose probably has it won if she makes it to the final. And, but who else do you think, you know, could disrupt them in the semi-finals? Because what you would need to do is you'd probably need to have those three in one disruptor. Tom is is the obvious one. Um, I'm I, curious I don't to think know what Sarah's doing in terms of the public vote. She has to be doing very well because yeah. she got out of a bottom of the table. Especially with that Halloween routine. Like, yeah. that wasn't exactly a vote-getter in my eyes. Like, it, there was no sentimentality to it. Why were people voting for it? Um, uh, I think it may have been the exact same as the Eurovision public vote this year, and it was pure <laughs> thirst. It's bad. So, so say 9 to 5, there wasn't much in the 9 to 5 routine, but there, it's, I think she was second bottom, but still pulled herself out of the bottom two. I don't think she's semi-finals. I think she's a classic Blackpool and Dunn, um, or fake Blackpool and Dunn. So I think the question mark is, is Tom or Reese to be the fourth in the semi-final? And I, I don't, that I think that it. we're going to lose Reese before that. Yeah, I don't think Reese is getting to Blackpool. I think the fact they're giving him his Charleston this weekend instead of saving it for Blackpool is a sign that they think he's he's gone within the next. He's getting basically no public vote. Yeah, and... Yeah, one time in the bottom two. And he's just... I don't know what routines does he have left. Like, there doesn't feel like there's any sort of big dance he can do because he's done his couple's choice. Well, the problem is that um, he's burnt through a lot of his big, showy, fast numbers where the energy uh, surfeit isn't too much of a problem. So he's left with a waltz, a foxtrot, a tango where he's got to control and channel the energy. Or an and, Argentine tango. Or an Argentine tango. Or rumba, samba. Like jive is the last one he's got where the energy would be a, a, like a benefit rather than mm. give, giving him trouble. Um, so like all it takes is for after the Charleston for him to get the rumba and it be judged naff um, and he's gone. But then you could have him dance the rumba and it's him and Dan in the dance-off and then it gets interesting. 
because you've got two BBC staff, irrespective of production companies and how they're set up, two BBC people in the dance-off. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what happens with Dan now, because I wonder if this sort of general regard of him is kind of turning in terms of, like, just having people seeing it as, like, a better dancer being eliminated ahead of him and him not even being in the fight, in the bottom two. Generally, like, the the last entertainment dancer has to knock somebody good out before the tide turns. Mm. So that's Dan versus Tilly then, isn't it? Oh, no, my precious angel Tilly. She's been a bit of a revelation. Um, oh, totally. Like, it's... It was kind of grim the way that she was introduced as daughter of and mm. she's been very firmly kept in her father's shadow despite uh, having clearly like enough stuff of her own going on to being cast on Strictly. Um, but seeing her developing confidence over the course of the series has been really lovely. And I think Nikita as well has helped that and sort of like he's taken to the show like a duck to water. Yes, he he knows how to um, strategically unbutton the shirt. <laughs> the choreo is great, and he's like extremely deadpan funny. Oh yeah, he was created by the strictly algorithm for the show. Like he was bred, he was test tube created for the show. Just a little bit of Pasha, a little bit of Aliash, a little bit of Artem. And now we're at Mambo number strictly. Um, I love the fact that Nikita and Tilly both took a couple of weeks to sort of find their footing. Um, Tilly, you know, finding the confidence in herself and Nikita sort of, I know I can dance, but how does a TV production work? How can I, what levers can I pull? And there was a sort of moment where Nikita worked out, I know what I can do now, but week four, uh, and you could sort of see the change in the choreography from we just do basic, we just do sort of what we would do on, on the Winter Gardens floor to let's do something for TV. And then Tilly was about a week or two behind. And now the I think Nikita is going to be one of the most inventive pros we're going to get over the next two or three years. There's going to be a point where people are going, I want to dance with Nikita. And well, that's going to happen really soon, I think. Also, Elliot was saying, because um, I was asking in our group chat, like, why does Nikita's choreography look fresh? Um, and it's basically because he's from a different generation hmm. to all of the other pros. Yeah, I'll see. I'll be curious to see if um, Cameron or Javitsa, if they get partners, I'd be curious to see what they bring. Yeah, and it is interesting that we've got Javitsa and not Michael, which is like awkward year one of Katia vibes, but I guess we'll see how that develops and if we do actually need some new male pros next year. Um, but yeah, the other new pro, Kai, uh, having done three or four years on uh, Dance with the Stars Ireland, hit the ground running knowing exactly what to do. And he had a partner who was incredibly receptive. I think AJ looks to have that energy of, I will try this twice. Once to see if I like it and two to be sure. Uh, and it's on the second one where she does, it, she, the the emotion she had were after the Charleston of the, I just kept falling. I just couldn't get it. And Kai was just, you can get this. That to me was one of the most honest moments of television I've seen this year. 
Yeah, because they they talk a lot about what about how many hours they put in, just generally contestants on Strictly, but you don't always get a feel for what they're actually doing. And it's not, you know, drinking tea and eating Greg's. It's again and again and again and a lot of information in a short time and a lot of repetitions in a short time. And the trust in the partner to do that from both sides, both from the celebrity and the professional. And I think Kai's experience meant, you know, part of hitting the ground running is not just how to work in TV, but also how to coach one-on-one to get the best out of someone over... You've got three days to learn this. It's not a week because you've got other rehearsals and recovery time as well. Uh, and whatever injuries and knocks and scrapes you're carrying for the entire run. Mm. Yeah, and they did injure each other quite a lot during the Charleston training as well. Like the the Insta stories, um, like that's something we couldn't really have predicted that we would get back in the inception of Strictly, that we would see so much from the training room in footage like filmed by the contestants themselves. 19 years ago, TV landscape has changed so much, yet so much of the language remains the same. Um, that You know, you could put this year strictly on back in 2002, and you'd be like, well, this is really advanced terms production-wise. How many pixels burns are we getting here? But it's still the same fabric. It's still the same show. It's still let's take a cast of people, let them entertain us for the dark winter months on BBC One, uh, and let's go back to watch Saturday night BBC is always good at great big variety show spectacular. It is, it is a, a televisual festival of lights. You know how all of the all of the major religions have something a bit showy with some fireworks um, and celebrating everybody getting together around the glowing lights and colours as the nights draw in. And uh, yeah, Saturday night entertainment is no different. <laughs> Uh, we should probably start wrapping up now we've started making metatextual philosophical points about the nature of of light entertainment um Aradne, what what are the like three things you want out of the rest of the series um oh well I mostly want the uh Kai and AJ Pasadoble this weekend yes please mm-mm <laughs> I don't know what I want from sort of like musicals week. I I I just don't know what there is left to mine there. Just everybody does a Dear Evan Hansen routine. Oh no. <laughs> so yeah, I think I would quite I'd be happy to skip musicals week in the um quarterfinals. Yeah, it's is the theme week that's never quite settled. Yeah, it just kind of always feels a bit like the same thing over and over again. Yeah, just didn't we do this in movies? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um you and you've had a bit longer to think about it. What three <laughs> things do you want out of the rest of the series? I have Yep. Let me do this in the classic form of three hashtags. Fair, honest, and nice. And by fair I don't want glittery trap see glittery trap doors, bad choices and props, deliberately using yellow and purple lighting on an act that the production team think it's time to leave. I want the contest to be as fair as possible. Um, honestly, for honest, I want the judges to be honest in their scoring, in their remarks, and to have consistency. Um, 
we're you know we're that we're getting close to it with some of the judges, but some seem to be letting their personal thirsts start to shine through. And nice, and I think nice is more for the wider strictly world. You know, we don't want the attacks in the media. We don't want you chasing to get a picture of two people cuddling, which is kind of harder. And I'm in these times, which I think is a great thing. I want to enjoy the rest of the weeks and not have somebody go out because they've thrown an ankle uh, in in the rehearsals. I just want everything to be nice and happy and comfy and reassuring. And yeah, that's my hopes for the rest of this year. Yeah, I want it to keep making me smile mm. and um, to to be astonished as well. And, you know, a memorable show dance in the final. Who who doesn't want that? And everybody to, who does leave to leave in a nice frock. Yes, dignity in a nice frock for all. And I think, yeah, that wraps us up. We're at the halfway stage. We've taken a look at the view of Strictly as a whole over the nearly 20 years we've had it. We've taken a look at it over the past couple of years as it goes through a period of immense change. And we've had a bit of a bitch and a gossip about what's been going on this year. Would you two like to do your plugs before we say goodnight to everybody? Ariadne first. Yes, so you can follow me on Twitter at Ariadne underscore reviews, or you can read my Strictly recaps at ariadnereviews.com. I recap other shows like Bake Off and Drag Race and MasterChef, and there is so much on TV at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how you're doing it. How do you even know when MasterChef is on? I, I don't know when MasterChef I, is on. I consult the birds and the animals. <laughs> Ewan, uh, get your plugs in. Uh, you can find me in various social medias. Twitter.com slash Ewan is probably where I'm the lightest and fluffiest. Uh, regular podcasting on the Eurovision Song Contest. Articles and in-depth from the team ESC Insight with my voice on that podcast. can be found www.escinsight.com or just search for Eurovision Insight in your favourite podcast directories and listings. And that is where we'll wrap up. We'll be back next week with your regularly scheduled main pod. But up until then, hope we've given you some things to think about. Keep dancing. <laughs>